Hello, and welcome to The Consumer VC. I am your host, Mike Gelb, and on this show, we talk about the world of venture capital and innovation in both consumer technology and consumer products. If you're enjoying this content, you could subscribe to my newsletter, theconsumervc.substack.com to get each new episode and more consumer news delivered straight to your inbox. Our guest today is Patrick Schwarzenegger, CEO and co-founder of Mosh. Mosh is a brain wellness brand co-founded by both Patrick and his mom, Maria Schreiber. They're on a mission to change the conversation about brain health through food, education, research, and providing the tools for a mind style lifestyle. Patrick is also an actor, an active angel investor in a number of health and wellness brands. We discuss what attracted him to innovation within health and wellness, how he became interested in investing, what he looks for in companies, and the founding story of how he and his mom founded Mosh. Without further ado, here's Patrick. Patrick, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me on. Ah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Um, wanted to talk a little bit from like the very beginning. What was your initial attraction or introduction to investing in consumer brands and consumer tech? I've been doing investing in, in kind of the CPG, Better For You Health and Wellness space for just over a decade now, uh, about 12 years. I started early. That at, at 16 was my first investment and uh, actually 15. And that really just started out of me being a struggling consumer. You know, I grew up in a household where uh, my parents didn't allow the cocoa puffs or pop tarts or apple strudel cakes. And, you know, we weren't drinking soda and we weren't, our pantry was the lamest by far on the block. So when I would go over to my friends' houses and everything, I would always just scavenge and, and eat all their different foods that, that they would have because it was so delicious. But as I got older, I got more, you know, informed on, on nutrition and ingredients and, you know, all these different things. And, and so did other Americans. And I kind of made it my goal and uh, one of my passions and in, in stuff in life was to go out there and find these healthier alternatives, go out there and, and find entrepreneurs that were dedicating their lives towards creating a mission of a healthier America. And I decided to put kind of my money where my mouth was and invest into different entrepreneurs that were barking on that journey and that were providing Americans with less sugar and more protein and, and trying to do so without sacrificing, you know, price, flavor, and taste. So, you know, our first company we did was one called Blaze Pizza, which was trying to be the more transparent and healthier dominoes and allowed, you know, the customers to go down the aisle and choose the ingredients and know where they were from and all this different stuff. And, and uh, one thing led to another. And, and I really started to see these, these customers come in and, and demand uh, different products. They no longer wanted the Dasani water. They wanted Evian or smart water or they never they didn't want the uh the just the pellegrino they wanted these uh lacroix and they didn't want the the lays chips they wanted the the baked stuff so that's when i kind of sold out of blaze and and decided to create my own fund that's specifically focused in better free health and wellness that's amazing. And how do you think about and kind of where natural products now has kind of gone mainstream and better for you has kind of gone mainstream? And there's been this such progression that that you know kind of the masses really are starting to pay attention to the nutrition and the ingredients behind what they're they're eating and drinking. I would love to kind of hear your perspective since you were pretty early, you've been doing this for 10 years now. How do you think about how the market has changed and has your diligence process changed at all as you're evaluating opportunities? The market has completely changed. I mean, the saturation, the amount of companies that are joining the, the marketplace is tenfold. I mean, it's completely changed. And that's going to change the amount of exits. That's going to change the amount of success rate. That's going to change everything. And, and it's, you know, there's 
pros and cons, right? I mean, the, the, the pro is that, you know, in this, this great country of America, anybody feels that they're, they have the ability to go out there and, and create their own company. And if they have an idea or see a, uh, an issue out there or a problem, they can make it a, a solution, you know, and they, they can go out there and create a company. The problem is that there are so many companies now. I mean, even if you go to the market and you go to the Whole Foods or whatever, there's, there's no longer a few options for every segment in the marketplace. There's, there's, 10, there's 20 different options. Customers are getting confused. There's just so much competition with the web being created with the direct consumer landscape. So it's completely shifted. And I think we've seen that because you know, entrepreneurs have seen that, that larger corporations are buying companies, you know, that they can't innovate. They can't uh, do things scrappy like other entrepreneurs can. Uh, anytime there's competition, that means it's a hot market and it's something that's intriguing. So people have entered it. Yeah, no, definitely. Obviously, now competition is so much fiercer than it used to be. And there's not as many maybe wide open markets where maybe you have to get more creative. I mean, it's only better for the consumer, right? Obviously, more option available to them. If they, for example, did want to go like gluten free or dairy free or just have like a bit of a change in lifestyle uh, that you're seeing so many consumer at least try. And so I think that it's quite interesting. I know that Expo West was like, you know, a month ago, and I saw it on the LinkedIn post that you were there. What was kind of your reaction um, at Expo in terms of maybe developing trends or, you know, maybe just thinking that, okay, maybe these particular categories are already pretty saturated? Yeah, it's weird. This is like, well, I mean, you know, it's the first Expo West in two, over two years, right? My first time going was about four years ago, you know, and again, I've been in this health and wellness in the CPG food and bed space for over a decade. Every year there was something kind of new, right? There was like, Oh my God, they're, they're finding ways to make rice and pasta less carby or, or they're, they're adding protein. It's, whoa, they're making, you know, it out of peas and stuff. They're making, you know, pizza out of cauliflower now. Or, oh my God, what's this thing called cold brew? Oh, keto is a huge thing. High protein. Now it's low sugar, allulose, erythritol. Everything has kind of had it. This year, I honestly don't know what it was. I, I honestly don't know what it was. I mean, I think it was just a continuation of the alt meat kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, every, Every other booth was like a, a plant-based chicken nugget, chicken wing, chicken tender, chicken thigh, chicken heart, chicken liver, chicken whatever. And then there was like all milks and all uh, creamers and all ice cream and all, all dairy and all, you know, but to me, it's tough because everyone wants to be the beyond meat and the, the impossible of the meat category, but for doing it for dairy or milk or vegetables or whatever. And I just don't know how well that's going to work or not. And the other main issue I have is that these companies are raising at valuations as if they are beyond me, as if they've already had the proof of concept, had the revenue, had the, and they're the first to, to market, but it's not like that anymore. So I'm most likely it's the, the diligence and, and investing is going to completely shift for me because I think that there's going to be a complete correction with these different companies. I just don't see it, uh, the, the returns, uh, the risk to return worth it right now. Yeah, totally. Just as you say, saturation or even, you know, do consumers even want this? Trying to imitate maybe a particular part to a chicken, for example. Yeah, and I'm involved with companies like that, you know, so I shouldn't say it's all, you know, I'm part of Nugs, I'm part of Simulate. That, but I did that over two years ago. And at that time, it was super exciting. And, you know, that was before the beyond, you know, their their IPO. And, and there still wasn't that much competition. And no one had really done it for chicken. And so Nugs and Simulate were doing really cool stuff. And they wanted to continue to find ways to, to create other food categories that, that were simulating a real meat. 
However, there's just a lot more competition today than there was two years ago or five years ago. And it's going to be tough. But I also think that I think that there's going to be a shift in this next few years that customers, and I'm already starting to see it, that they no longer just want the alt of meat, milk, et cetera. Like they want ingredients to be a little more transparent because, you know, at first it was like, give me impossible, give me beyond. I don't care. It's plant-based. Let me eat this. Now everyone's like, wait, what's the difference between these ingredients and my dog food's ingredient? There's what? There's 52 ingredients in a Beyond Burger and it's all these different oils and fats and something like, what am I eating? And I think that's going to start to shift. So finding ways to be the RX bar of, of Beyond Burgers and stuff like that. But we'll see. We'll see what, what the customer is wanting. I'm so glad you brought this up. I mean, recently I had on Jason Karp, who's the founder of uh, Human Co. And he was talking a bit about like what the value system is within Better For You, right? Is it better for you? Is it better for the environment and the planet? And this notion that I think consumers are starting to think about, okay, this is maybe an alternative to meat, or rather, this is an alternative to meat, clearly better for the planet. There, there's no cows involved, there's no chickens involved, what have you, but is it actually better for you? Right, right. And what are the actual ingredients themselves? And how he says he always takes, you know, what's better for you, that's like number one importance over anything else. So obviously, you're an investor, you're thinking about companies. Is this Maybe also how you think about when you're looking at ideas, maybe have like a value system where it comes to what are we actually trying to accomplish here? Yeah, of course. I mean, every brand that I'm part of is a mission-driven company. They all start with a why. Uh, I talk about this a bunch on different podcasts and, and a bunch to, to other entrepreneurs and, and you know funds and investors. A lot of people are like, wow, you, you have multiple wins. Like, What's your investing thesis. I went to business school, but I'm not like some ex-Bain, Goldman Sachs, you know, crunching numbers. And, you know, there's people that are a hundred times smarter than me out there for sure. What I'm really good at is finding companies that are mission-driven, that have a purpose, that have a why, and that are in terms selling a product. And does it line up with what the trends are, what consumers are wanting? Is it solving a problem? And if so, then I'll bet on it. You know, I'm not always correct, but I've been correct a good amount of times and we've had some pretty big wins. But it's always uh, my, my number one thesis is always finding companies that are that are mission driven. You know, if we were to think about Mosh, you know, our company that we just started, you know, our brain health wellness company, everyone's like, why are you guys a protein bar company? And I'm like, we're not. You know, the brain bar is our first product that we're starting, but we're a mission driven company looking to educate consumers about what they eat or what they drink impacts their brain health. How we're doing that is through our first product, which is a brain bar. Then we're going to continue on to doing other product lines, but that's not what we are, you know? And it's always, it's, it's the, the, the customer that can understand your why and your mission, you know, that's what they buy. They don't always buy the what. So with Liquid IV or with Super Coffee, right? They're, they were selling positivity. They were like, how do we start every single person's morning in the most positive and energy boosting way possible? And they're like, okay, well, the number one thing that's being consumed right now in the mornings is, is coffee, right? The ready to drink category is exploding. And there's this new thing called cold brew. And Starbucks has the absolute chokehold on it. And number two is Dunkin' Donuts and then Monster 3. All of those people have 30 grams plus of sugar in their morning drink. That's slowing people down. It's making them sluggish, less productive, et cetera. How do we create a more positive morning? Let's take away the sugar and keep the taste and bottle that. And that's what they did. So it was a mission-driven thing first. They had a why, and then they created the product. You know, That's probably the number one core thesis of what I like to try to invest on. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. How do you also think about separation when you're analyzing, You know, an entrepreneur comes to you, you're analyzing the category. 
How do you think about brand differentiation versus product differentiation? Does a brand have to have both? Look, branding is everything. You know, marketing is everything. But uh, to me, the product's got to be, something's got to be unique or differentiated or, or different. And I think that a company that's a genius marketing, you know, something like Smartwater, it's the same thing, essentially. In the end of the day, it's a water or Essentia. They did a great job by making the 9 pH, which was a new differentiated factor. But, you know, Evian, stuff like that, it's just more premium. You know, I guess you could argue the source is different and how they create the water. But in the end of the day, it's it's water. Or like Liquid Death. Liquid Death is absolutely genius. I mean, uh, that's the pure marketing play, right? I mean, that's the making the, the fun of it, the branding, the messaging, the, the core consumer. Uh, that's, yeah, it's water. So that works, you know, that definitely works. And, you know, we've seen that with tons of different drinks and foods from, you know, especially in the spirit space to vodka and stuff that used to work all the time. Let's just take, take the cheapest, you know, vodka company possible, use their product and, and rebrand it and sell it for $90. And, and the consumer will think it's way higher value, way, you know, perception wise, it's way better. For me, I try to find stuff that's a little more unique and different in this, in the terms of the actual product and the ingredients, you know, you know, when it comes to super coffee, no one had done a a no sugar uh, ready to drink cold brew that tastes like a vanilla frappuccino with liquid IV. No one was doing drinks and little sachets that you pour into your water with half the amount of sugar as body armor or uh, Gatorade, you know, that wasn't around. Same with nugs. No one was doing these, uh, the, the plant-based version of a chicken nugget at the time, so on and so forth. So those things are a little bit different, but you know, kudos to the people that have done it that way of the, the liquid debt. I mean, I, I look up to them. It's a, it's a something to be studied in marketing schools and branding. Totally. So it's fair to say that in order to kind of pique your interest in a company, there has to be some type of product innovation or or the product has to really bring something to the category. Yeah, yeah. Something that's a little bit unique or different, you know? I mean, it doesn't have to be reinventing the whole wheel of uh, making, you know, a fake chicken thigh, but I'm just saying it's, uh, you know, it's got to be something that I would personally get that I think consumers would that's following the trend, etc. Are there particular categories that you think still early and you're very excited about? Maybe where like Nugs was, you know, two years ago, uh, per se. Yeah. I mean, look, I think that the uh, I've done some stuff in the fitness tech space, the wearable. Whoop is one of the, I'm an investor in Whoop for, for just over two years now. Look, I mean, you could argue they are not reinventing the wheel, that there was Fitbits and other wearable things, you know, the years prior to that. But I think that they integrated a really great app and a great interface and, and a lot more attention to detail of things that customers were, look, were, were looking for, like sleep and readiness and, and how to optimize body performance and stuff. I think that the fitness space is really interesting. You know, what Peloton did, you know, whatever your opinion is of Peloton and, you know, where it's gone today and in the past, the, the roller coaster ride it's had the last 24 months. But you know, I think it pioneered a thing of of allowing people to work out at home again and, and prioritizing time and commitment and subscription model, et cetera. And, you know, Tonal, I think is really cool and, and Hydro and some other, you know, players in that space. I think Peloton's failed to to go out and acquire or continue to to develop their product lines and, and act as a growth company. And they really just focus on one model. But I think that that space is really interesting because it's continued to evolve. Like when, when my dad was came to America, there were no gyms, you know, and then he kind of pioneered the weightlifting and wanting to open up gyms everywhere like Starbucks, 
And then it became a difference in the 80s of, you know, now you can put in a video, a, a VHS and watch workouts from home. And then everyone was like, I don't want to do that. I want to go to these things called Soul Cycles and, and Barry's boot camps and do things together. And then it went to like luxury gyms of equinoxes and got that. And then it came right back to working out at home with Peloton and stuff. So I'm interested to see where that goes. And, and people are trying to, you know, live healthier, live longer, um, optimize. So things like the Aura Ring, the Whoop. And, uh, you know, levels, that's the kind of thing that tracks your food. I think those things are really interesting. Um, and I think it's still kind of uh, early in that in that space. But yeah, I think sleep is a really great kind. Of, and then obviously, I think brain health, I think cognitive functionality and cognitive decline and stuff is something that's being tapped into. And that's no longer just interesting for the older demographic. You know, my mom's age range, that's where it's been. You know, everyone is always not really cared about brain health or mental health, et cetera, until they were kind of older, but now millennials, Gen Z's, et cetera, people are, you know, getting into new tropics, getting into ways to increase memory, to increase focus, to how do I optimize? How do I optimize? So that's a space that I'm, I'm interested in. That's what we're tapping into with Bosch. That's amazing. That's amazing. I think that, you know, it, it kind of brings back to your earlier point that consumers really want to track what gives them energy. What what's the right, for example, sleep of 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 what you know, eight sleep is doing, for example, or glucose monitoring with with levels, or just they want to be able to track how they can almost optimize their life and their day in the best way. And as well, that also kind of goes in as well with CPG because you know, obviously, your inputs are super important, or maybe the most important. What am I actually inputting that maybe gives me this energy? Right. And what was actually like taking me away energy. Right. Right. So let's talk about Mosh. Why did you decide to jump in and become an entrepreneur? And how did you end up finding Mosh with your mom? Well, it was always on my to do list, mission board, you know, vision board, dream thing to, to create a company. It was always part of the plan. The plan was first, phase one you know, my teenage years, the early 20s, I wanted to go out there and find out, did this better for you health and wellness space exist? Are people creating companies in it? Are bigger corporations and companies buying people? Is it something that's lucrative? Can you exit? And our customers wanting these things. That was kind of phase one. That's, you know, our Blaze Pizza, Super Coffee, Liquid IV, Nugs, you know, Mud Water, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then it was, how do we take these things that we're learning through these different companies, through the individuals that are running these companies, the infrastructures they've set up, the R&D, the, the operations, the commands, the supply chain, the branding, the websites, all of this stuff that takes so much time to do for so many companies to vet these situations out. How can we do what we, we've already learned and know and use that to go in and create our own companies in-house and fund them in-house because we have that kind of advantage to ourselves to do that. So that was always kind of phase two and Mosh is the first of that. I didn't want to just go out there and create a company to create a company. That, that was never my goal. But my mom, she lost her father to Alzheimer's. She's been creating the, the women's Alzheimer's movement, spending money in, on research of, of looking into why women are two thirds of the cases of Alzheimer's. And a lot of it, you know, we don't say we cure anything. We don't say we prevent anything, but a lot of stuff came back to diet the amount of sugar you were taking, the healthy fats, the types of ingredients you were eating and stuff like this, this brain healthy lifestyle and diet became a prominent discussion within the community for brain health. 
And my mom had done books, documentaries, TV shows, everything educating consumers about brain health and about what they were doing and their lifestyle was impacting their brain health. And I finally said to her when I moved home during COVID, I was like, you know, you know all this stuff about brain health. You work with all these different doctors. You take these different vitamins in the morning. You eat the specific lifestyle of no added sugar and healthy fats and everything like that. Why don't you create a, you know, a consumer brand? that speaks to this. You know, there's definitely other people out there that want to eat like this, that want to act like this, that want to start thinking about brain and body health together. And you can, you can really do this. And she was like, I would love to, but I had no one wants to do this, whatever. And I was like, I'll do it with you. You know, I'm home with you right now. We have time and I have all the resources and knowledge in the CBG space. You have all been in the brain health and, and uh, you have the women's Alzheimer's movement. We can make it a mission driven B Corp and raise money for for Alzheimer's and it just really checks out. You know, you're starting this company out of a mission. And so that's what we did. We put it together. And of course, my mom has dreams and, and thoughts of how to create this company to, to have 20 different product lines. Um, but we wanted to start with the brain bar because my mom starts her morning every day with a bar. She's obsessed with bars. It's the weirdest thing. And uh, she's always on the go and traveling, doing going to New York for the, the Today Show and doing speeches. And so she always carries that in her her so much so that she had to give it up for Lent. That's what we made her give up because she's addicted to bars. So I said, you know what? Let's start with the bar. Let's start with the thing called the brain bar. And let's put some of these ingredients you're taking in it. And let's, let's formulate it to be no added sugar and, and keto and have these high nutritious, healthy fats from the flax seeds, the chia seeds, the almonds. And, uh, and let's do it. And let's see if there's product market fit and if other people are interested. Yeah. I mean, we launched, you know, small team. It was just us two and another person. And we launched to massive demand. I mean, we, we went through our full inventory uh, within one day of launch. Uh, we relaunched on Giving Tuesday. We sold out again on that day. And then now we've gotten better at inventory management and we've continued to, to figure out ways to, to keep inventory in stock. That's awesome. That's awesome. How did you approach formulation? And I'd imagine that you probably, since you've you know invested in a lot of CPG brands, had a, had a pretty good understanding in terms of co-packing and, and, and the manufacturing side. But would love to kind of just hear as well what that was like also just formulating too with your mom, what kind of brand? Yeah. So look, I have tons of experience in co-man, CPG, R&D, etc. I don't have any experience of doing that stuff during a worldwide pandemic. And that's when we started this, uh, having to deal with R&D, but not be able to be in the same room or the kitchen with the R&D team, having to wait for them to create samples, then send it to us and, and try it. I mean, that slowed the process down completely, not being able to go and do tours of, of the commands and of the kitchenettes to do this. You were putting trust into people that you had never met and you were communicating like this through Zoom all, all the time. So that process was extremely difficult. It was way slower than I had anticipated or wanted it to be. And then the supply chain of things was we saw a supply chain shortage and, and, and cluster fuck, excuse my language, that we had never seen in this country for the past whatever years. You know, during our first production, when we sold out, we had ingredients and inventory and packaging and stuff stuck at the ports for 8, 10, 12 weeks. We couldn't do anything about it. And other people were having this too. I mean, it was a topic during the on LinkedIn all the time of people that had ingredients and, and other materials that were stuck. And, and I would talk to our co-man and he'd be like weeks or days where we don't produce anything because people don't have materials. 
So look, as much as I've learned and everything like that, it was my first time going through something like that. And, you know, I got definitely more intelligent and smarter and, and it's, it's made me a better entrepreneur today than I was two years ago, but it wasn't as rosy as you would think to create a company during that time. It was uh, a lot of pitfalls and, and mess ups and speed bumps and road bumps and, and delays and, you know, issues to, to create a company during those times. Right now you have the bar, but how are you thinking about other products that you're going to be launching with, with Mosh and just kind of just almost just like, you know, SKUs and all that kind of fun stuff? Yeah. I mean, how I'm thinking about it is however the customer's thinking about it, (laughs) you know, like we have a really strong community email list, SMS, community building platform that, you know, I want them to make the decisions, you know, do they want a hydration powder with brain, you know, nutrients and ingredients in it? Do they want a brain gummy? Do they want, you know, more pills? Do they want uh, other nut mixes or snack mixes that are brain healthy friendly? What do they want? Do they need help with their sleep? Do they want things that don't have melatonin? Do they want things with caffeine without? What do they want? Uh, I'll really let them kind of dictate what we go and do. Of course, we have ideas of where we want to go. But the beautiful thing about creating a company and, and becoming direct to consumer is that you get to communicate with your followers like this. Maria and I get to do a video conference with 30 of them, with our, you know, our mosh pit, we call it, with our VIPs and the people that are always our hardcore consumers and hearing what are they like? What are they not like? You know, what are the things that they would change? Stuff like that, that is just um, really fun to, to get to do in the direct consumer route. How are you also thinking about distribution as well. I know that right now you're online only and you sell out, it seems like, every day. You said you got better at at inventory management, which is great. Because I think that what's interesting too in this time when it comes to distribution is, you know, the your conventional uh, retailers as well, like the Walmarts and the Targets, they're selling a lot of better for you products, a lot of organic products in it. How do you think when you're thinking about which are the right stores for Mosh or for, you know, other products that you want to launch? Do you have like a set like kind of roadmap? Right now it's just direct consumer build online and we have a lot of low-hanging fruit to still gobble up on online platforms. But look, there's benefits of going to retail. There's benefits of being direct to consumer. The main benefit of direct to consumer is that you get to really own your audience, quote unquote, and you get to communicate with them. So that's what we cared about the most. We wanted to talk with them and see what were they enjoying or not. That's why we were direct to consumer. Once we really understand our customer and stuff, that'll influence what stores do we want to go to? I doubt that Walmart makes sense for us. You know, does a Whole Foods make sense? Sure. Does a Target make sense? You know, sure. But, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, Costco, Walmart, we're not ready for that in terms of price sensitivity, in terms of certain ingredients we use and educating the consumer about them. It's just not there yet. How also do you approach consumer education for Mosh? Well, that's also the the other most important thing about direct consumers, you get to educate. You know, we have a whole page about our ingredients. We have a whole page about our, our give back and about the women's Alzheimer's movement. We have links to the women's Alzheimer's movement. So that's one of the biggest uh, you know, benefits of direct consumers education uh, platform. How do you also juggle being a CEO? You're a very active investor and also an actor. I mean, like, what is your life? Um, just because I, I imagine you have a lot of things going on. Yeah. It was like when we first launched, I was on set in Atlanta for this miniseries called Staircase that's coming out on HBO Max May 5th. And that week we launched, I mean, I'd never worked 
so much in my life. We were on, you know, 13, 14 hour film days and we were doing night shoots. And then in the morning when I was done filming, I'd be, you know, working on Mosh and the launch of Mosh and doing interviews every single hour and stuff like that. And um, that was tough. That was like a real grind that felt like finals week of just like not sleeping and working on set all the time and everything. And I was like really drained. But the thing is with the film space is like, you know, you could be working every day for four months, five months, and then you could not be working every single day for five, six, seven months. Right. You know, I just, this, this last miniseries, I did the staircase. I worked for seven months every day, pretty much in, in Atlanta, you know, since then, January, February, March, uh, you know, that's three months of not working a day on the film set. You know, we've had some press, we've had some behind the scenes stuff, but you know, not so, so I get to really focus and be dedicated towards this. So it's always kind of just like about work management, prioritizing certain things and finding things that you're really passionate about because it doesn't feel like work and you get to really plow through them. Yeah, your last point. Absolutely. What's one book that's inspired you personally and one book that's inspired you professionally? The number one book that I would recommend that I've completely, that's changed a lot of my life is, is Atomic Habits by I think James Clear. That's one of my favorite books. I mean, it just, it's always about habits that people can do and, and, and stacking habits throughout your day that can just make you, you know, 1% better and the compounding interest of what that does to a person over time. You know, so often companies, entrepreneurs, individuals are so interested in the short-term overnight success that they forget about what happens when you compound 1% interest day over day over the course of years and how, how much growth you can have and what that can do to you as an individual, to your company, etc. And he talks about all these different things that you can do that will impact your life in a tremendous way from waking up at, at a certain time to doing that every single day to you know where you place certain things in your house so that you're more likely to do that habit. Um, the reason behind why you're wanting to do those habits, does it strike home with, with the real reason of what the end result is that you're looking to get? I mean, there's so much wisdom in that, in that book, but uh, I recommend it for, for everyone, both personally and professionally. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm also a, a huge fan of that book. One of my favorite points was that yeah. kind of believing that you, you are that person. And when you actually think about like a new habit, motivates might be the wrong word because motivation kind of comes and goes, but it kind of gets you to do that habit because it kind of reinforces the fact that you are actually then like that person uh, doing it changes your your subconscious right i mean it, mm-hmm. it, it makes you you know there's the famous quote in there of of the difference between what someone is that has quit drinking or quit smoking versus someone that's trying to and the success rate of someone that's trying to quit smoking or trying to quit drinking is extremely low compared to someone that even on day one they say oh i'm not a drinker i'm not a smoker because they start to identify themselves as that new person. Yeah, that's a that's a really good example. Really good example. My final question to you is what's the best piece of advice you've received or it could be just maybe a slogan that you kind of keep saying yourself over and over again. Oh, I mean there's plenty of them, but one of the main things is just kind of betting on myself. It's easier said than done. And a lot of the investing to, you know, savings into this bank for that interest and whatever and, and we don't often invest time or money or 
you know, things into our own better good, our own self. And um, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with what we just talked about with James Clear of, you know, really being confident in who you're supposed to become and reminding yourself that and investing in that. And too often we don't do it because we're afraid of failing. You know, we're afraid of what other people will think if we don't become that person, you know, and I think that's why people say I'm trying to become this rather than I am this. And um, that's that's one of the things that my dad always taught me growing up. And, and same with my mom was to always be confident in, in who you are and who you want to become and let everybody know. Yeah, I mean, those are those are really great points. Um, and I love I love the uh, tie back to, uh, to James Clear, which is just a great book. Patrick, thanks so much for your time. This is super fun. Yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you'd write a review on the Apple Podcasts. You're also welcome to follow me, your host, Mike, on Twitter at Mike Gelb, and also follow for episode announcements at ConsumerVC. Thanks for listening, everyone. 